Welcome to the Food Peace Please podcast, co-hosted by Serena Marie, RD, creator of Food Freedom Fit Fam, and Susan Ports, RD, creator of Fertility Nutrition Academy. Our joint mission is to empower women to embrace food freedom. We want women to realize there's more to life than changing your body and counting your calories, macros, or points. While we are medical professionals, this podcast is informational only and not meant as a substitute for individual medical advice. Now, let's get this party started. Welcome to another episode of Food Peace, Please. I'm excited to talk to Susan today. Susan's really the person who kind of has a lot more experience in this topic, but we're going to be learning a little bit about can you add functional medicine to a food freedom journey and what does that look like if yes. Uh, But before we begin, I'm real nosy over here and I want to know what's going on with you, Susan. Oh, such a good question. Well, you know, I feel like I say that every time. I need to stop saying that. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Um, So it's summertime, which is honestly, it's my favorite time of year. I I love spring and I love fall. I do not like winter. (laughs) Me too. Um, But I love summer. And so I'm just like really enjoying the sunshine. And like getting outside and sitting outside and like soaking up the sun and like the warm weather. I I'm just I'm loving all things that have to do with summer right now. Like walks, like going on walks and like not having to bundle up in like a million layers. Like yeah. I love it. I'm just totally loving it. Ugh, life is so much better when the days are long and it's sunny and warm. I totally agree with you. I love summer. Yes. And like I was like talking to a friend about this like a while ago, but she was like, it's like my whole personality changes. I totally feel that way too. It's like, yeah. Like she's like, I can open the windows. Like like, it's so true. It's like just like getting like that fresh air and that sun and that vitamin D. And like talking about this is making me laugh. It's like people that probably live down south, they're probably like, yeah, that's why we don't live in the north. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> hey, we have the solution. Yeah. The dips. <laughs> Move down south. <laughs> oh, dear. I know. Oh. <laughs> what about you? What's new? Um, so I actually – I realize I haven't shared this. So I, I we were talking a few weeks ago about, um, you know, my – I was racing the Brooklyn Half Marathon and I kind of was feeling a little bit burnt out on, on, on training. And I actually can't really remember what I've shared on Instagram versus what I've shared here. But, but basically I had this like realization during my Brooklyn Half Marathon that I feel like I'm in this place with running where – you know, my relationship with running has just been, I started running basically essentially around the same time my eating disorder started. So there was this very kind of like um, toxic relationship with running. At the same time though, I I love to run. Like I really, that's like a healthy Serena thing. Like I really love to run. Um, And so just trying to navigate like how do I have a healthy relationship with movement without it becoming this like really intense, like the way I would ex- describe it, almost this like do or die experience where a lot of times when I'm training for a race, like a, 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 a when I'm kind of trying to get competitive, I feel very like 
anxious and like obsessively worried about like how well I'm going to do. And so that's kind of like this remnant of like my eating disorder days of like training my brain to think that training for a race is this like do or die experience, which it clearly is not. So, you know, this summer I am not really training for anything. Um, And so I'm kind of doing this little like project train happy with myself where I'm trying to figure out like how do I – I miss training. Like I miss track workouts. I miss being competitive with myself because that is something I actually do enjoy about the sport. But how do I do it in this way where like all of my self-worth – um, isn't tied up in it. And that's kind of, and I don't really have a solution today, but I wanted to share that with you because I, I, I feel like, I don't know, like I think it's interesting to hear like Susan and I aren't perfect. Like we're still on this journey. And and so that's part of my journey is like I'm trying to figure out how to train in a way that feels really fun, um, but I can still be competitive, but I can not be so intense. <laughs> Makes sense. That totally makes sense. I actually think this is a really good segue into today's conversation. Um, I totally do too. Yeah. And just like sharing like like we are still on this journey. And I know that I've said this before, but I'm going to continue to say it and, and that like life is just a journey. Mm-hmm. And so like we're always going to be evolving. We're always going to be learning more, especially if that's something that you value, which is definitely something that Serena and I both value, like personal like development and growth and like learning more about ourselves and becoming more self-aware. And so like, like you said, like, it's so interesting that like you've identified that this is like that, like one, I shouldn't say that one, but like, it's just like a piece that's kind of left that like now, like that you've healed so many like of these other things, like you feel like you can start to address this piece of it. And so I'm excited for you and excited to see like what like comes of all of this. I'm excited. To- I, I, you know, I always kind of like being able to like relate to my clients and like it's always kind of interesting to be like, wait a second, like I'm still figuring this out too. And I think counseling um, when you're kind of in the midst of still healing can be really therapeutic for yourself, like kind of just like as I'm teaching my my clients and my, you know, my fellow food freedom athletes, it's kind of cool to be like, yeah, like I can take that advice and like use it for myself or their stories inspire me too. So it's pretty cool, um, which, which like you were saying, I think is a really kind of um, like – pertains to our topic today, which, Susan, you're on a fertility journey and you're super, you know, I I feel like very mm, grateful that you share so much of your journey with everyone because I think just normalizing different experiences is so freaking important in our society. Um, And I know that you have experimented a lot with functional medicine. So how does that, like, I think, and I'm really, I'm really going to kind of like interview Susan here today because Susan's on this functional medicine journey that I'm not super familiar with. Um, so I guess my first question is, is we, we, we respect food freedom. We believe in food freedom. We adhere to food freedom. How, like, how is it possible to, to be on a functional medicine journey without like kind of going against food freedom? This is a really, really good question, and I definitely get, like, questions about this, and I'm actually excited to talk about this because I think the biggest, like, thing that I want to say is, like, 
you you can like it's just it's just like pursuing health with food freedom like and i think we say this over and over again but like intuitive eating and food freedom you know they're the same thing and they are not anti health like we are in fact like pro health like and so there's ways for you to really like evaluate like what works best for your body and the ways that you can approach it that like doesn't involve like you restricting or whatever. So a part of my story is that honestly, like after our IVF cycle failed last summer, I like went on a whole new tailspin. So like here's – and like I just like want to like normalize this for you guys and I really want you to like understand that like – at that point, like I was still, like I was an intuitive eater. Like I was still in food freedom. And yet I was still like when IVF didn't work the first time, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, what did I like mess up? Like, you know, and I was given this blanket statement of like, it's your egg quality, you know? And like, this is after, of course, like we've spent like years, like four years being told it's uh, a sperm issue, right? So, I was like, you know, I went into this whole thing like, and I was like, I was very like frustrated of like, what am I missing? Like, what am I lacking? Because as a dietitian and like a food freedom person, like I had like read a lot, a lot of stuff. And I started to like dig back into it because I was like, I'm doing something wrong. Like, you know, and I, and I, the reason why I'm telling you this is because I just want you to know that like I'm not perfect and that like um and that like it's totally normal to like have yourself like end up in these spaces where you like get back to like blaming yourself. But that's this experience, this exact experience is why I'm like so incredibly passionate about what I teach now and what I talk about now on Instagram. It, you know, it's like the entire journey has made me passionate, but this exact experience of IVF not working and then me going into this tailspin of like trying to figure out what was wrong with me, that's why I'm here. So uh, what happened was I was – oh, go ahead. I'm just curious. So like when you say like you had a tailspin – but you maintained food freedom. So basically like it wasn't like you were saying I need to comb through my diet and change my diet or like I guess I'm curious like – or maybe you were about to say that and I totally cut you off. But like <laughs> – No, that's okay. So I I think I – I'll just say this. I think what happened was like I think I was questioning it. Like I was questioning like – like, is there something more that I should be doing with, like, nutrition that I'm, like, not doing? Like, I was doing a lot of, like um, – I was doing a lot – not a lot of things, but, like, I was just doing things that, like, generally, like, fit into my lifestyle, which is exactly what I'm teaching inside of my course. But also inside of my course is going to be looping in um, what we're, like, about to talk about, too. And so what ended up happening was I like went to see like a functional medicine um, provider and I, like it was helpful in the sense of like I like learned a little bit more about like my body individually um, and I learned a little bit more about like 
some extra things that like could be helpful f- to support like my body. So like as somebody that like suffers with like chronic anxiety, like I've been on medication for years, like I learned just like and in part of this I just want to like say too is that like just because I'm a dietitian does not mean that like I know everything and like I kind of at the time like because I was like what's wrong with me blah 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 do I think that this is a great headspace to go into it with probably not but uh I also think that um getting like an outsider's perspective and like hearing someone else's opinion can be helpful um so I learned a few things that like like taking magnesium could be helpful for people with chronic anxiety at night. And I think you if you've listened to this podcast and you've binged all of our episodes, you've definitely heard Serena and I talk about this before. Uh, because after it was so helpful for me, I suggested it to her. <laughs> and it's literally life-changing. Magnesium glycinate, we're addictive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 life-changing. So uh so I like learned a little bit about some of these other things, but the thing that like I like, so I was like learning about these things again, like about like functional medicine and that stuff. But I also at the same time was looking at it through a lens of like diet culture, you know, like you really have to be careful um, because what is functional medicine? Like are you able to define it? Because I feel like very – like I think my alarm bells go off when I hear I'm a I'm a functional medicine doctor. And I'm like, oh, you're going to tell me to like – you're going to scare me. That's kind of like my mm. – my and Yeah. So it's, it's very much so. It's looking at like for the root cause. That is like the whole premise behind like functional medicine is looking for the root cause rather than a lot of times what we see in like Western medicine is we're just treating the symptoms, right? Um, And functional medicine is looking for like the root cause and trying to like treat the root cause that will help to resolve the symptoms. So it is looking at like blood work and evaluating. um, One of the things that I found really interesting was like you know, like we have like our normal parameters in Western medicine for like blood work, but there's a high end and there's a low end. And like, again, like these are like the normal parameters for the average person. And I started to realize like, oh my gosh, like I sit here and I think about like weight as an indicator of health. And I say like, that's not a great indicator of health. And we give these blanket like, oh, this is what a healthy BMI is. Well, having these ranges for blood work is kind of similar. Like it's like this blanket like approach of like, this is what's normal. But like it's based so interesting. But it's based on like, you know, a a lot of stuff. I'm not saying this is what all of it, but a lot of it is based on like basically a middle-aged white man. Wow. And that, and and that's kind of like and so I started to see these parallels of like, oh my gosh, like there is like, they're right, like you know you're given this high end and this low end, and if you're at the lower end of normal or the higher end of normal, like maybe that's like not exactly like what's best for you, right? But. I want to approach this very gingerly as well because I do think there's a lot of nuances with this and I do think there's a lot of fear-mongering that goes on within this space. And so um, 
like there's a lot of like, oh my gosh, like sugar is so bad for you. And like there is a lot of diet culture and fear mongering within this. And that's why I say like you have to really approach this very gingerly um, and coming at it from a lens of like, so when I like, it, it took me, I'll be honest with you guys, it took me like six months to like, and I, and this is two visits. I just did two visits, maybe three. Uh, but it took me like six months to like take what I was like told to like digest it and then determine what I actually felt was right for my body and to assess what actually felt good for my body because I'll so here's a really good example. So part of like what I did with this is I did do some like cycle testing where they have you like evaluate like your hormones throughout your cycle. Um and so I did do that. And it came back and the conversation was kind of like, well, everything is normal, but like this could be better. Like this could be better. Like what they told me was that uh, like my LH surge, which is what happens before you ovulate, um, it could be stronger. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. And then also told like something about like my progesterone could be stronger. But like none of these things were like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. This is why you're not getting pregnant. Like it was like nothing like that. And so in my mind, I was like, Okay. And then what I was in that what I was told like would be helpful. I'm just gonna like this could be very triggering for some people, but I'm I'm going to just explain this. Um was like, okay, well, if so this is the part where I'm like, okay, just this is where you gotta watch it. Uh I was told you need to like severely cut back on carbohydrates. So you need to like really this really eliminate like we're talking like eat root vegetables for breakfast, like, you know, all of this stuff. And I was like, and I was very transparent with this provider. And I just said like, like she knew that I was a dietitian. She knew that I was like, um, worked with disordered eating and like had a history of disordered eating and that like, I was not going to do anything restrictive. And so when she told me that I was like, like, I was like, I hear you. Um, and I made the decision to like do what was best for me because honestly, I was like looking at this. I'm like, okay, but you're not like this. This isn't the reason why I'm not getting pregnant. And I just like knew that. And I was like, did she have I, like a reason? Like, why did she recommend that? I'm like really fascinated by this process. She said that my fasting insulin was too high. Or actually, I lied. Not my fasting insulin. It was just my non-fasting insulin. And it was a one-time thing. It was a one-time. And here, so like I said, there was just a few things that I was like, it it drew up the red flags for me. And that's why I'm like, that's why I just want, my whole point in actually even sharing this is because I just want you to be careful. Um, and I feel like I was able to approach it this way because of my experience and having like a good understanding of like my body and my beliefs and like understanding that like also I'm just going to be really honest with you guys but like if you go into this stuff like I mean like when you keep searching they're going to find something wrong with you 
or, or they're going to try to find something wrong with you. That's why I say like when I was told like this could be stronger, I was just like, eh. So yeah. So and also just so you know, like I just like remember um when I was like doing these tests that uh again, it was like a non-fasting and it was like a saliva. And like, I, I mean, I'm just like, I don't know how accurate that is. And I was like, okay, like I can take this for what it is. Right. And like, there was like a few things that like I modified, like um, how I like make my mineral mocktails. But like, that was probably like the biggest thing. Um, And I just – like, I, I, I don't know if this is helpful. I kind of feel like what I'm – my takeaway from this is that, it you know, obviously life is not always ideal situations. So, you know, we'll take this as it is. But in the ideal world, somebody would pursue a functional medicine expert after they've healed their relationship with food and can really confidently say they are the expert of their own body and – whoever they're consulting is just somebody they're consulting. Because I feel like you, the reason this works so beautifully for you is all I'm hearing is you saying, I'm the expert of my body, Bob. Like, dude, like, listen, I'm not eating root vegetables. Like, I know what I'm doing, right? Like, I trust myself. Versus, you know, when you were back in like your orthorexic stage, when you were constantly looking outside of yourself to be healthy, then you maybe would have taken that advice and run with it a little bit too far and it would have been too extreme and actually detrimental to fertility. Yes. Yes. And I think that like I was able to like just take the bits and pieces where like, okay, like for example, like the magnesium, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like that makes so much sense to me, you know, in my scientific brain about my dietitian stuff and like understanding that like yeah, oh my gosh, I'm not getting enough magnesium. Like that is a nutrient that like I'm definitely lacking in. And then like I added that in and I noticed a significant difference, you know? And then like another thing that she like pointed out to me that I'd never really thought about was my salt intake. And actually she said like my salt intake was too low. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. It is. Like I have chronic low blood pressure. Like, and it is a genetic thing. Um, but like I also eat, like previously, like I ate very low sodium. And I think that that like that probably stems from my days of being like a cardiology dietitian <laughs> and like um like I just like naturally just like bought like low sodium and then I really didn't add much salt in cooking. And so, like, I was able to take, like, that and I was like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense to me, you know? And so, like, I started making these, like, mineral mocktails where I was getting more electrolytes um, to add in, like, more salt and more potassium. And and I felt better when I did that. You know, I had more energy and I, I like, noticed physical differences. So those are just, like, two examples where, like, um, I was able to, like, take that and apply it. And so like my it, it's exactly what Serena is saying. It's like this is something that's like better to approach when you're like farther on your food and food freedom journey. And if you and you're just going to be very honest. Like if you aren't a dietitian, I actually would really really recommend like if you're going to do this, like then to go get like 
a neutral dietitian perspective, like somebody like myself, to like review these like results and this information with to talk about like what you could actually like take from this. That's going to work best for you. Like I just – I don't want you to be like fear-mongered into something that doesn't feel good for you and that makes you feel like restrictive because like ultimately – so like when I was told this stuff about the carbs, like I did not take that advice. You know, like I made I made a few tweaks of stuff that like I was like, okay, this makes sense. You know, like whatever. Like I can adjust like what I make my mineral mocktail with because it didn't matter to me, you know? Like it doesn't – like that's fine. Um, And that's kind of where this like fine line is that like Serena and I are kind of getting at is there is this fine line, but it's a gray area where you can take these things to apply to help yourself feel better. And, you know, like when I say feel better, I mean like have more energy, like um, not feel like so reliant on like caffeine and, you know, things like that. to feel it's it's very much this is for like a fine tuning stage of yeah. intuitive eating and food freedom. Yeah, I think fine tuning is a really a good way of saying that. And like I'm also kind of hearing which like I think I'm just I'm kind of thinking back to my clinical days, but like I was a part of an interdisciplinary team. So it would be like the pharmacist and the dietitian and the attending and the infectious disease specialist and the hepatologist, like all these different specialties coming together to make a plan. And I think that's what's tricky when like you're one person and you know, let's say you're coming from a place where you have no like background in like physiology or medicine or what have not. Um, and then you're consulting an expert and it's just one person's opinion. And I think, you know, I, I, I real and this like goes for me too. Like you're working with me. Like it's important to ask me questions. It's important to have other resources and for us to kind of like call upon like other experiences because we're human. Like one person's never going to have all the answers for you. And I think that's kind of what I'm hearing, Susan, is like you almost – you needed like several um, non-fasting insulin numbers for you to really take that information actually seriously. And like – even still, like you, like who knows, like where you could have gone with that information, um, but it's it's not really ever appropriate for one person to say they have all the solutions. Like I think that's like a red flag in itself. Yes, exactly. Like no one person has like all of the answers, and you really do have to do what's best for you. And like, especially like what I see happen a lot, like for women on a fertility journey is just that like, you are looking for that answer. You're looking for that like magic pill, the magic bullet, that magic trick, whatever it is. Like I remember after our IVF cycle failed, like I said to my friend, um, I said, I was like, I just don't get it. Like I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like what's the magic secret? And, you know, and I think that's like how a lot of women feel on the fertility journey, which is why like you continue to look for these like resources outside of you. And so part of me sharing with this, sharing this with you is that like, I think like approaching the functional medicine, like I did, I'm not going to lie, you guys, I did so many things after IVF failed because I thought that like I thought I was missing something. I thought there was like this magic trick. I I told you. I literally asked my friend like what like what's the magic secret? Why aren't you telling me? <laughs> and like I did so many things that 
because I was looking for the answers outside of me. And that's why that's why I call it a tailspin. Because I did all of these things. It wasn't just the functional medicine. Like I did a few other things too. Um, and it's a tailspin to me because I was looking for all these answers outside of myself. And what I know like now is like that's not where the answers were, you know? Like the answers were inside of me. And I'm saying like – but the thing is like I don't regret going to like the like the functional medicine doctor. Like I think I was able to like glean some things from that, you know? But like I didn't take that as the Bible because – I knew inside of me, like when I was like hearing these things, like I knew that it wasn't all like meant for me. And I I was able to like decipher the difference. But that's not an easy thing to do because I'm telling you right now, I was still like in the head, like caught up and was like, oh my gosh, like what did I do wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And like that experience has just like taught me so much more and given me so much more like compassion for like women on a fertility journey or really anyone that's like on some sort of chronic illness or chronic issue that's been going on where you are just like looking for answers because you just want to feel better. Like I totally empathize with you. Like I understand what that's like. Yeah. I think that what I'm hearing is like events um, or symptoms can be really like triggering and it's like, okay, and very rightfully so. Like no one's going to argue with you. Like if you're dealing with major disappointment or sadness or if you are – if you're dealing with a chronic illness where you're dizzy or in pain or whatever, like it makes sense that you're seeking these solutions. And I think that can be a little bit like distracting from like trusting your own inner wisdom. I'm honestly – I feel like the takeaway here is just like like you have to approach it as like information and get curious and if you feel any like I don't know like is there any like if you could give like one sentence or like a few like parting sentences here of like if I'm listening to this and I'm like okay I'm feeling like I'm pretty healed like I think that's like one thing we can establish like you want to have like a pretty healed relationship with food be like pretty deep into your food freedom journey like but I'm and I'm considering um functional medicine like what would be like your like guidelines or just like gentle words of wisdom to like help them use it in a way like you did where it was helpful without it like setting you back? I think the biggest thing is listening to like your gut and your intuition. Like listen to that like internal knowing. Like that piece of you really does know and and you can trust that, you know? And if you are farther along on your food freedom journey, like we're saying like where we would recommend being like in pursuing this type of thing, um, you you should have like you do have some of that trust and that internal knowing. So really like leaning on that and doing like what feels right. And like it might mean this is going to sound weird, but it might mean that you have to take like two steps back to take five steps forward. So it might mean that you kind of had to like, and I did kind of have to sit, like I said, it took six plus months. Like I did have to like sit in it. I had to like reread things that I had read before. I had to like rethink about things and re like hash, like what felt true to me. I really had to like digest all of this and it was hard. Um, and it was like kind of a time of ambivalence, but like it, it, it is possible. You just have to remember to stay true to you and follow your gut and do what feels right for you. 
I love that. Thank you so much for like being so vulnerable and sharing with us, Susan. That was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. If you're a female athlete looking to heal your relationship with your body, head to serenamarierd.com to download my free runner's guide to better body image. And if you're trying to conceive, head over to freedom.fertility on Instagram to grab your free starter guide for food freedom, fertility, nutrition.